I auditioned to be the new drummer of the Rolling Stones. To replace the late, great Charlie Watts, though, of course, Charlie Watts is impossible to replace. The ultimate cool, the perfect groove, the unfaltering regularity, the subtle je ne sais quoi that gave the Stones that specific rhythmic flair. A key element of superb style. I assumed there were many of us. But we auditioned one by one, so I didn't know who I was up against. It would be a four-step process, I was told. First, an interview. I was invited to Mick Jagger's home, near Amboise, in the Loire Valley. A short drive from where I live. When I arrived at the Chateau de Fourchette, there was a sign pointing to one of the outbuildings. It consisted of offices in an open space, where a dozen people were busy working on computers and making phone calls. I was taken upstairs to a meeting room that overlooked the park of the chateau. I could see a red clay tennis court and a helipad in the distance. I was introduced to the Rolling Stones manager, the producer, the sound engineer, the wardrobe artist, and a man called Jean-Francois, who was Sir Mick's secretary. In spite of the huge table surrounded by chairs, they were chatting on the adjacent couch and in the armchairs and drinking white wine. They kindly asked me to sit with them. I sat next to Jean-Francois on the couch. It was a casual conversation. I explained I was a linguistics professor and a literary translator and that drumming was a hobby. I had played in several amateur bands, I said, mostly reggae and jazz, not much rock and roll. The sound engineer lifted an eyebrow. Jean-Francois took notes on an iPad. No, I had not recorded any albums, and the largest audience I played for was 300. It was a private party, I explained. A masked ball, actually. Great fun. No, I didn't play in any band at present. Did I know the music of the Rolling Stones? Of course, who doesn't? The wardrobe artist was examining my clothes. I was wearing a dark purple linen suit, a lilac made-to-measure twill shirt by Le Chemiseur, and brown loafers. No tie, no socks. They asked me why they should select me. Well, I said, I'm in my sixties. I'm unknown in the music industry, which means people's expectations will not be very high. And I will see to it that Charlie Watts will continue to be the rhythmic soul of the Rolling Stones. With me, Mick, Keith, and Ron would get all the attention. In other words, I will get the job done and never be out of step. The producer found the metaphor amusing, perhaps appropriate, I don't know. Several weeks later, I was invited to the second part of the audition, 
where I would have to play. I was told to be prepared to play, oh no, not you again, back to zero, miss you, ain't too proud to beg, and perhaps congratulations. There would be session musicians, as well as one of the stones. They weren't sure which one. I was asked whether I agreed to play on the drums that Charlie kept at Mick's house. A 1957 Gretsch round badge maple finish set with an 8x12 rack tom, a 16-inch floor tom, and a 22-inch bass drum. There was a brief silence. That's wonderful, but no snare, I asked. Bring your own, came the satisfied reply. And bring your cymbals and sticks, too. It went well. I had listened to the songs dozens of times and watched videos online to see precisely how Charlie Watts played them. The audition band consisted of a guy named Ted on bass and Ron Wood. The guy who sang was a guy by the name of Jim. He had an awful voice, but at least he was in tune and dead on the rhythm. I didn't mimic Charlie Watts in every minute detail. I figured they wouldn't be interested in that. So although I put in a few drumming quirks of my own, here and there, I played like him, with his sound, his feel, and importantly, his discretion. We didn't play congratulations, but at the end, Ron said, good luck, that was fine. He gave an appreciative nod to Jean-Francois, who was standing against the wall with his iPad. On my way out, I was introduced to an elegant gentleman who was also auditioning. He had brought a snare drum in a case, in which he probably had his sticks, I assumed. He said his name was Steve. It's been two weeks now. If the process continues the way I was told it would, there should be two more auditions, one with Keith Richards and one with Sir Mick, or maybe just one session with both of them at the same time. I'm not holding my breath, though. It would be cool, of course, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But wait, excuse me, my phone is ringing, hold on. Hello? Yes, speaking. Next Wednesday? That's the 22nd, right? Yes, I'm available. At what time? 3.30. 3.30 is fine. Uh-huh. I'll be there. It's a short drive. Yes, of course. Just like last time. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. <clears throat> Sorry. Excuse me. That was a colleague of mine at the university. Anyway, I was saying we'll see how things unfold with the stones. If it doesn't work out, that's okay. It'll be the hand of fate. Any way you look at it, time waits for no one. And my biggest mistake would have been not to audition. If it doesn't materialize, I won't be shattered or sad, sad, sad. Actually, I'd be a fool to cry. 
I'll always have fond memories of the audition. As a matter of fact, I think I'll write a song, a tribute to the late, great Charlie Watts. I'll call it Under My Eardrum. Thank you.